following is a production of Word Alive Creative Arts. Welcome to the podcast of Word Alive International Outreach in Oxford, Alabama, an apostolic center for transformation and freedom. We pray today that you will be blessed and strengthened by this powerful message. Sometimes God has to offend our minds to get to our hearts. And it can be wild things, but when, when Holy Spirit's prompting us to move, I, I want us to make sure we're following Him and stepping in to, and, and, and chancing things to move with Holy Spirit. When it, because a lot of times the oil is on the floor and God's just waiting for somebody to strike a match. And your movement in these times, we've got to really, I'm not preaching on this, but we've got to begin to worship the Lord with our whole hearts. I was serious when I said the world stole the dance. The dance began in church. The Hebraic people were some of that, that culture. They were some of the most dramatic, powerful, beautiful, holy dancers before the Lord. And over time, we've allowed culture to take that away from us. And even to the point that some churches back in the old days preached against dancing because they thought it was a vulgar act, uh, you know, that wasn't unto the Lord. But I believe God's restoring that back to the church. And the church is going to be some of the most amazing, beautiful, physical movement that we've ever seen as we worship this creative God uh, that has created these bodies for movement. And the days of coming to church like this are coming to an end. Now, I'm not saying there won't be days that we might just need to sit quietly before the Lord. But most of the time, and I read the scriptures, when they praised and rejoiced, it was movement. And as they moved, God moved. And as they moved, Holy Spirit moved. And so this is the season we're living in. We've got to move and allow God to move in our own hearts. And so today for the next few minutes, I just want to talk to you. We've been talking about shifting spiritual atmospheres. I want to talk to you about God shifting the spiritual atmosphere of our hearts. The word teshiva, the 40 days that we're in right now of blowing these trumpets and and repenting, as they call it, actually the word means to return, to return, or to turn. There's actually, a, I think, a nationwide movement, September 26th, led by Rabbi Khan, called The Return. A national movement in this culture of our United States. They're saying, they're calling the whole nation to return, or turn again to God. And so, I really believe that as never before, Holy Spirit is wanting to, our hearts to be turned toward God like never before. As individuals, families, the whole earth has been put on hold so that God could get us quiet enough and slow enough and slow-paced enough that He could actually start talking to us about our own lives, our own hearts, our families, our houses, our homes, our nations, 
to begin to move in our hearts, turning us back toward God and toward His purposes and plans. And so when we understand that and realize it to return, Joel 2 says, rend your heart, not your garments. In that culture, when you repented, they would, they would tear their coats and put ashes or tear their wardrobes and put ashes on their heads as a sign of repentance or humbling themselves, coming back to God. But Joel comes and he says, after blowing the trumpets, he said, rend your heart, not your garments. Return unto your God. For he is gracious and compassionate. Why would God be so adamant to want our hearts? Let's just set this right. God's not lonely. God is not lonely. So it's not like God needs our praise. God doesn't need my worship, need my praise. I need my praise. I need my worship unto God. God doesn't need us. He owns a cattle on a thousand hills and he's not even hungry. He doesn't eat ribeye or hamburger. He said, if I was hungry, I wouldn't tell you. So we got to get away from this fact that somehow God needs me, needs my stuff, needs my heart. Like he's some insecure God up there that is just so hurt by our rebellion and our, and our idol worship. But in reality, he only wants our hearts to turn toward him so that he can turn toward us. Because he knows what he can do in your life and my life once our heart belongs to him. He wants to lavish his love and grace and power on our lives. But he has to get to our hearts. Why? Because Proverbs 4.23 says, Keep your heart with all diligence or vigilance, for from it flows the very issues or springs of life. Whatever has your heart determines your outcome. In my life, the destructive cycles of addiction and difficulties and bad situations and circumstances I endured all started in my heart. Because it was out of my heart that I birthed my future. Everything comes from your heart. That's why Jesus, when he was ministering he said to the religious people who were saying, you know, you don't wash your hands right. You don't wash the cups right. You know, they, were, they had COVID back then, I guess. They were washing everything, right? Like, you're not washing everything right. Jesus said, be careful. It's not what goes in you that defiles you. It's actually that what comes out of you that defiles you. So it's what's coming out of our heart when we get to this place where life beats on us, and it does. Life will beat on you, and what happens if you're not careful, you will begin to develop bitterness and disappointment and doubt and unbelief and unforgiveness and fear and anxiety. Do you know there's more people in the United States today on psychotropic drugs than any other time in our history because we're so beat upon by culture and life and fear and all this 
culture that's trying to overcome us and weigh us down that our hearts are finding it difficult to find an expression. So by the grace of God, he comes every year intentionally for 40 days of Teshuvan says, the king is in the field. If you will just open your heart and begin to let God in here and do some investigative work, he will show you what needs to be altered. He will fill your heart with the Holy Spirit, write his commandments on the tables of your heart, and he will move you into a new place by his Holy Spirit, by his grace, and by his goodness. So God wants us to make sure during this time our hearts are ready because this is the time of year he inscribes in his book the next year we're going to live. And so God measures how we're wanting to move with him so that he can establish a year breaking us out of cycles of destruction and moving us into cycles of blessing. Is there anybody here that would like to break off some old cycles and move into a new place with God this year? It's intentional. It doesn't happen by chance. You draw nigh to God, God will draw nigh to you. Humble yourself under his mighty hand, and he will exalt you in due season. This is what these days are about, these 40 days. Seeking God with our whole hearts, allowing him to speak to us and move us in a supernatural way. The reason all this stuff makes it difficult for God is because he speaks to our hearts. And if my heart is clouded with all this stuff, I can't discern whose voice is speaking to me. In recovery work that I get to be involved in, they say that most everybody alive has the wisdom on the inside of them and knows what to do, but their, their thoughts are screaming so loud they can't hear the wisdom coming out of their own heart. So what God does, he comes to try to quietness and begin to move us out of our hearts so that we can allow Holy Spirit to step in. He says he'll take a hard heart out of us and will put a fleshly heart inside of us and will write his commandments on the table of our hearts and he will, we will be called his people and he will be called our God. Can you dream with me a minute what would happen if everybody in this room's heart automatically became God's? What could God do? What could God say? What could God create? If all of a sudden the heart of God, and that doesn't mean you have to be perfect. It just means you're willing. David was a man caught in adultery and murder. We always skip that one. Yet God somehow said he was a man after his own heart. Why? Because David was so quick to repent. And pray Psalm 51, Lord, against you and you only have I sinned. Forgive me. Renew a right heart inside of me. Renew a steadfast spirit inside of me. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. We see his hunger to do the will of God and to be hungry to seek God was able to wash away the past. See, here's the news. You didn't get everything right last year. 
Look at your neighbor and say, he's especially talking to you right now. Like, like you didn't get everything right last year. I sure didn't get everything right last year. But I got more things right last year than I did the year before. And I won't get everything right again this year. But I will get more things right this year than I did. Come on now. Because I keep giving my heart to God. Giving him the opportunity to move in my life. And then, they, and then I live a year with him, and then I come back around, and I get to kind of do a do-over and start over with God. God, like this morning I'm praying, Lord, I just want to submit everything to you again. My life, my family, and this church, and my gift, my calling, whatever I have, God, I want you to be in control. Not my will, but your will be done. God's not looking for golden vessels. God's not looking for silver vessels. God's looking for yielded vessels. They will simply give their heart over to Him. So I said, God, I need a practical way because this is mystical. And you know how good Holy Spirit is. I said, Holy Spirit, how do you practically allow God in your heart? And just like this, Holy Spirit said, put your money where your mouth is. And I said, what do you mean? Holy Spirit just said just like this. He said, Kent, there's two things that I use to evaluate your heart. Your mouth and your money. Your mouth and your money. And the Holy Spirit began to open this up to me yesterday in a powerful way. When he began to show me Matthew 12, 34, out of the abundance of the heart... The mouth speaks. When my mouth goes south, it's a sure sign something is happening inside of my heart. When I start finding more negative things to say about people than positive things to say about people, and when my own bitterness and disappointment begins to spew out of my own heart and becomes a filter in which I see other people through and my own pain begins to move out of my heart through my mouth it's a sure sign that I've got some heart issues but if my mouth is speaking faith and hope and love even to myself then I realize that my heart is open to God because when you have faith coming out of you that means your heart is open to God. Hebrews 3 says, do not harden your heart as in the day of rebellion because they could not enter in because of unbelief. So what happens, we stay out of miracles and provisions and God's stuff because we let our own hearts get heavy and condemn ourselves and begin to, begin to condemn others and we begin to have the negativity of chaos and fear. And think about it, even in the crisis we're navigating now, you know, you can choose. Mask, no mask. You know, stay home, get out. Well, we can choose to live our life without talking negatively about others and how they want to live their life. We can murmur against the government. We can murmur against this, this, this one or that one. Or we can say, God, touch our hearts so that positive 
God words begin to frame our next year for us before we get there to step in it. See, before you get there, you can go ahead and frame 5781 with your mouth. And without realizing it, in the next 20 days, you can paint you a world with your words that you will live this next year. I set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. You choose. You choose what you're going to live in dictated by your own heart. You see Hebrews 11 says, By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen are actually made of things which you can't see. You can frame you a world that you want to live in based upon the response to circumstances with your words. Jesus labeled in 1 Corinthians 10 adultery, fornicating, lying, and complaining. Put them in the same category. Sexual immorality and complaining. We have altar calls for sexual immorality. When's the last time we did an altar call for complainers? Touch your neighbor and say, you might need to answer that one. Come on, right? I can't do anything about what happens to me, but I have total control over my response. I can respond out of a heart for faith in what God can do, or I can buy into the world and all the thoughts that try to get poured into me from society and culture and buy into that, or I can frame me a world. And so I, I knew I had read this spirit, and Holy Spirit reminded me yesterday, this in Hosea 14 too, where it says, take words with you and return to the Lord. Say to him, forgive all of our sins and receive us graciously that we may offer the fruit of our lips. We can actually return to God in this season with our words. You say, what do you mean? When you go home today and you get your checkbook out to pay the bills, okay, or online, checkbook, that's old school, isn't it? When you go online to pay your bills and you have more month than money, you can choose today to say, oh my God, we should have done it. Or you can say, mm-mm, wait a minute, my God shall supply all of my needs according to this. And your heart can begin to turn toward God. You follow me? When your negative thoughts comes up about those or those around you, instead of speaking negatively about them, even though it's true, you can decide to speak something positive. Instead of focusing on the negative behavior of a loved one or a spouse or a child, you can actually just find the one thing they are doing right, even though they may be doing 30 things wrong, and focus on that and begin to call things that are not as though they should be. And turn to the Lord with your words. When you get up in the morning and you don't feel like getting up and going to the day, you can say something like, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in Him. From the morning to the evening, I shall praise Him. When the sun comes up, when the sun goes down, I'm going to be found praising the Lord. The same Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead dwells in my physical mortal body and he is now 
quicken. And take your words and return unto God with your words and watch faith begin to fill your heart and drive doubt away. Or you can watch CNN and Fox and get foxed. And your faith is we're going to get a vaccine. My faith is not we're going to get a vaccine. My faith is somehow with his stripes, I am healed. If I get it, I get healed. If I don't get it, I've been protected. But my God shall cover me. Psalm 91, he that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. A thousand may fall at my side and ten thousand at my right hand, but it will not come nigh my dwelling. Let's return to the Lord. With our words, trusting in God. I'm so, I don't, I don't know why I want to tell you this, but Ramy, you know, she inspires me when she worships. But most, but you know why she inspires me? Because I know her life. She was in Argentina at our Word Alive Church there, and she had a, she was leading worship in a worship conference. And they had a Saturday night service. Saturday morning, she had a miscarriage. Pastor Felipe said, you know, we've got the service. Don't you worry about coming tonight. You stay home. You rest. She said, there is no way I can stay home. She said, I've got to worship God. That's the only way through. Where's the people in the earth? Come on that has faith, that they're not having faith in something, that it's faith through something. Where's the people of God that realize my God is more powerful than anything that's going on around me. I've put my trust in Him. I've put my hope in Him and put me in the fire. And the only thing that's going to get burnt is whatever was holding me back because I will not bow down to the dictates of what's around me. I will worship the true and the living God. Somebody shout, I'm returning. And this one may not get as many amens. My mouth and my money. Matthew 6, 21. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The number one thing, in my opinion, that stops the human heart from hearing God is fear or greed in the heart concerning resources. I either get so afraid that my God can't supply, or I get so greedy trusting my stuff instead of trusting Him. And we wonder why we don't see more of God's provision and more of God's glory and more of God's power released in and through our lives because 
a large portion, I just got to put it out there, I'm sorry, but a large portion of people who consider themselves to be the body of Christ have never given over their heart concerning resources. It's the only other God you can't serve. Isn't it interesting when God said, when Jesus said, you can only, you can serve God and many other things actually. He never said you can't serve God in this or God in that. He said there's actually only one other God that's powerful enough to keep you from serving the real God, and that's money. Because the love of money is the root of all evil. Yet only 20% statistically that say they're followers of Christ obey God in this matter. This is true. Only 20% of the body of Christ actually tithe, give offerings, and give alms to the poor. Why? Because Ramey sang it. The gods we serve are gods of idols made with man's hands. You realized it when your 401k became special K. And you piled up this trusting in it, and then it went away. I'm not opposed to trusting money if it would work. It just don't work. You can't, it's not reliable. One day it's high, one day it's low. You can't trust it. So God said, don't put your money places where moth and rust and things can corrupt it, but invest your money in spiritual things so that you can get you an account in heaven that can never be broken into, stolen, or taken away from Luke says, give, it will be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will he put in your bosom? For with the same measure you use, it will be measured back to you. That's why God says three times a year for sure, every month and once a week, pay your tithe, bring your first fruits, give to the poor. When you come before me, don't come empty-handed. Not because God wants our money, God wants our heart. And then once God has your heart, he can allow all kind of money to flow through your life. Pastor Benny Hinn told me one time, he said, Kent, God will let millions of dollars flow through your hands as long as you don't get sticky hands. And you let it flow to those that God's wanting to get it to, to be an agent of transformation. So check this out. Only time in the Bible that it says this. Return to me, God said, and I will return to you. How many, would you, how many of you like for God just to step right in the middle of your goings-ons in this season? Like, I'm talking about like right in the middle of everything. Your family, your marriage, your children, your money, your business, your job, your education. Just like step right in the middle of it. Right? This is what it's saying. Return unto me, I'll return unto you, says the Lord of hosts. But you said, in what way shall we return? How do we return? Will a man rob God? Yet you've robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings, you are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. And see if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that you will not have room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. 
when we truly turn our heart toward God, the first thing that happens is he gets hold of our resources. And they become his for his purposes, and we get blessed in the process. And listen to me. I, I'm like you. I had to learn this all by process. This has been a 40-year process for me. I can remember a time when Bev and I had $1,000 to our name, and a, there was a $100,000 need overseas. And, and I prayed this prayer. I said, Lord, if I had $100,000, I'd give it. The Lord said, no, you wouldn't. I said, yes, Lord, if I had 100000 I'd give it to you. He said, won't you give me the 1000 I'll take care of the 99 I was like, well, Lord, I don't, you can't have my 1000 I was saying, if I had 100000 You right? Y'all heard, y'all had these dialogues, haven't you? God talking to you, dealing with you. First time I can say God really, truly, I heard his voice was in a church service. Bev and I, we, we, were, we weren't poor. We were poe. P-O. We couldn't afford the other O-R. You know what I mean? Like we were poe. And I was sitting by bed. We just got saved. We you know I'd come out of addiction. And I, we had nothing. And uh, I'm sitting there worshiping like y'all were today. Not awesome. You know. I will have no other gods. Just like this. Offering time came, and I didn't give anything because I was broke. And so I didn't even think about the offering. I'm just worshiping. Holy Spirit says, give $100. Well, I only had $150 to my name. Give $100. I thought, I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. Devil is a lie. I said, Bev, the devil's trying to steal our money. She said, what do you mean? I said, he just told me to give $100. She goes, that's exactly what he told me. I'm like, hmm. And that started our journey. Hearing God, giving, tithing. We were in debt to the IRS for $100,000, and I cut a deal with them that they'd let me tithe while I was paying them back. We had, we had so much money being taken out of our life. Literally, I'm testifying to you. Bev ran the house on $50 a week. That's all we had. There were weeks we decided, do we give our tithe or do we eat? And that woman of God, every time, said, you better pay that tithe. I said, Bev, we ain't got it. I said, Bev, we don't have any money. She said, you better pay that tithe. Don't you not pay that tithe. And I'd pay it saying, God, what are we going to do? Without fail, she'll tell you, somebody would call us on Monday. Hey, we was thinking about you. We want to take you out to eat. Right. Monday's taken care of. Thank you, Jesus. You know, Tuesday, somebody would knock at the door. We were just praying for you. Just wanted to bless you. We got a bunch of groceries. It was like when I had my own money, I was eating, you know, Beans and weenies and this. And when I had no money, I was eating shrimp and steak and chicken. I was like, God, I'd much rather eat with your crew than I'd eat with my crew. You know what I'm talking about? But my point is because I know I'm talking to people don't, that it's necessary. Some of you 
uh, uh, some of us, we don't have a lot of money, but you don't wait till you have a lot of money to start this thing. You start right where you are, giving your heart in faith to God with whatever small way it is, the widow's might, the last meal for the widow woman. You put it in God's hand, and instead of it being your last, it becomes your first. And God begins to open up the windows of heaven and pour us out blessings. And then year after year after year after year after year after year, you just see God work. Bev and I, without fail, we get to go out and eat from time to time. And we do, to this day, we think it's such a treat, right? Just to get to go out and eat, think we can just about eat what we want. But if it wasn't for the blessing of God, right? And this is what it means practically. This thing ain't mystical. It's practical. God wants to meet you in your everyday comings and your goings with your mouth and your money and show you how great he is and what he can do in your life and make you an instrument that you can hear his voice and when he moves you, you move. And when he asks you to give, you give. And when he says speak, you speak. And now God begins to lead us by his Holy Spirit. That's why Psalm 27, 8 says, when you said, seek my face, my face, O Lord, did I seek. This is the season, Teshiva, seek the face of God. Seek the face of God. It says, you will seek me and find me, Jeremiah 29, 13, when you have searched for me with your whole Lord, I'm giving. Lord, I'm confessing. Lord, I'm praying. I'm not doing this to get saved. I'm doing it because I am saved. And now in this season, that we should seek God all the time. But this season, Teshiva, is when we really seek God. Get close to Him and allow Him to touch us, change our hearts, and move us into this new era of blessing. So next week, Rosh Hashanah will have opportunity for first fruits. There's opportunity to give This has been a presentation of Word Alive International Outreach, 122 Allendale Road, Oxford, Alabama. Reach us by phone at 256-831-5280 or at our website, wordalive.org. This has been a production of Word Alive Creative Arts.